Okay, folks, good to see you. In, in your quarterly today, we're on page 37, 37, okay? I hope you read these as you have time during each week. Uh, very, very enlightening. Sometimes if you do your uh, study of this like on a Monday or Tuesday, uh, by Friday or Saturday, you're ready to go back and look at it again where it'll be fresh or else that's the way I am with other information going into our, uh, into our minds. So uh, today, these letters to the seven churches, this is the fourth week in our uh, series, and we're looking now at strong impurity. Uh, you would find this passage in Revelation chapter 2, if you're following along with your Bible, and again, you folks who might be uh, watching there the, the YouTube, whether it is live or the playback, uh, let me encourage you and thank you for joining us today. Revelation chapter 2 is where we'll be studying. But again, I call your mind to those who might have a book, you're looking on page 37, Strong in Purity. I actually looked up the definition uh, for purity. Most of us know what it means. Uh, but yet and still I thought, well, let's see what the uh, dictionary says about that. Uh, purity, it says, definition, uh, the condition or quality of being pure, freedom from anything that debases, contaminates, pollutes, etc. Now, we can have water that's impure, we can have a mind that's impure. Uh, you know, purit uh, impurities can invade lots of uh, things and places and you know we're always trying to be mindful that our our food uh, has been well taken care of that it's clean it's pure it's not contaminated uh, but now we're talking about spiritual things okay and uh, we find that the Lord tells us to be holy he gives us one reason for that matter of fact he said because I am holy so as we look at that we know that we've got a good pattern uh, there that we might uh, focus on, and we got a good partner there as well in the Master to help us get through uh, our lives. Now, as we uh, focus on page 38, there's a little introduction. Uh, again, the writer is bringing our attention there, and he reminds us that purity in all things uh, impacts your service for Christ. He gives a few illustrations and thoughts there. Uh, some fall in the category of, obvi of obvious or unnecessary. He said sometimes warnings come with a sigh of relief. Uh, uh, how many times do you pay attention to those uh, signs uh, as you're journeying down the highway? And uh, you know, those signs, uh, they could be immaterial 99.9% .9 of the time. But that uh, 0.01% of the time uh, is the significant one. So we really have to pay attention all the times. And as a result of that, our lives are much better off. So he also says some warnings catch our attention immediately and like bridge out ahead, etc. Uh, those are the obvious things. I was traveling somewhere recently. I think it was in the course of the last few weeks. Uh, and again, there was a road construction sign. Uh, you know, they always put that attachment on there. Uh, you know, uh, fines are doubled, you know, when workers are present. 
And, and I thought, you know, let me break this thing back down a little bit. And it seemed like I traveled five or ten miles and didn't see any sign of construction whatsoever. But sure as I had not been obedient, it would have happened, would it not? They're there for a purpose, aren't they? Sometimes we look at scripture passages and we think, oh, that doesn't apply to us. That doesn't apply to me. But believe me, they're there for all of us as we look at it. So we're reading the letter to the church at Thyatira. Now, as we do that, uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, listen as we read, write to the angel of the church in Thyatira. Thus says the Son of God, the one whose eyes are like a fiery flame, whose feet are like fine bronze. I know your works, your love, faithfulness, service, and endurance. I know that your last works are greater than the first. Well, uh, I did not do a deep enough study on the city of Thyatira, but we're going to look at what the writer says a bit. He said, Thyatira was not a large city in comparison with the others. There Revelation 2-3. He says it was a poorly defended and often overrun but what Thyatira had going for it was its variety of merchants and manufacturing trades. He brings our attention to the fact there of the pure cloth, the same purple cloth, or purple cloth, I'm sorry, the same purple cloth that Lydia sold in Acts 16. He said the city, or like the city, the church may have been small, but it was an average, not an average, but it was an active church, okay? Can you think of any other place in Scripture where we see the word Thyatira? Don't find much mention of that, do we? Again, if you found a map, and I did not find one to bring with me today, but if you find one, it's probably going to be in a circle, these seven churches, uh, almost a circle. And these letters sometimes are called circulatory letters. That means that they would not just be limited to that one town for that one purpose, but they would be uh, there with meaning to all of these various other places as well. Now, uh, because of that, he said, write to that church uh, whose, uh, he said, one of those, thus says the Son of God, the one whose eyes are like a fiery flame, whose feet are like fine bronze. I like how he how he draws the attention uh, to, the per- to the person of the Lord there. Uh, so as we think on this, uh, the introduction there is not uh, first to give the church commendation. It's not there to even first bring condemnation to the church. Uh, but I find, and I find it interesting, that the most important thing uh, in the letter uh, was to everyone have a good glimpse of uh, our Lord Jesus there. So what we see there is he begins to further define himself, okay? Look in your notes if you've used in your book this morning. He said, Jesus first identified this church by identifying himself as the Son of God, his deity, He also lifts himself there as a warrior. As the Son of God, his eyes are able to pierce through any facade that people might put up and get right to the heart 
of what is actually happening. The feet there of bronze, uh, uh, a term that the local bronze workers would have identified with. Jesus commented on the church there in four specific things they were doing right. Their love, their faithfulness, their service, and their endurance. Uh, the Notice those four things. The love, uh, their faithfulness, their service, and their endurance. Man, I'll tell you what, if you can have those four qualities as an individual, uh, you're, you're very praiseworthy as well. And that's what he's uh, highlighting there. The reason the church could be that, or recognize that way is because the probably majority of the membership was like that. You know, as we think about a church, it's not a building, is it? It's a people. And uh, the, the attitudes that we possess or the actions that we produce largely is how this church would be known, would it? You know, so, so we need to bear in mind that verse number 18 as well as 19 here is a very beautiful description of, of their openness to allow God to have His perfect way and will in their lives. The writer said the church's love wasn't just a casual expression of love that we often describe our love for certain foods. It was agape love. Agape love loves not because of, but agape love loves in spite of, doesn't it? You think sometimes, or the devil wants us to think that, wow, if people knew everything about you, they wouldn't love you no more. Well, if they don't love you more, it's because it wasn't agape love to start with. Agape love is unconditional. It's not built upon what I've done to, to inherit or to merit that love. However, this is where we are today. The writer said, this agape love, selfless love, speaks highly of what these believers had for Christ and a result was being lived out in their actions. Love was the motivation behind their service, just as their faithfulness was the motivation behind their endurance. Again, those four things are highly, highly commendable, are they not? Jesus, I'm on page 40, told them that their current works, uh, the, the things they were doing to expand the kingdom of God were greater than the first. Well, I would hope that our lives are maturing, would you not? I would hope that you and I are more like Jesus today than we were a year ago. Or let me just be even more uh, pointed. I would hope we're more like Jesus today than we were a week ago. Why? Because our love should be growing rather than decreasing. Now, the pattern of what these letters would always have is the first uh, part of the of the letter would be what? The commendation. You know, picture yourself. Uh, you, you've been on a journey or you've been out of, out of maybe sorts and because of that you haven't had a lot of contact, uh, you know, with your family, your children, etc. And lo and behold, out of the, uh, just out of the mercies of the Lord, uh, you know, the phone rings one day and, you know, it's one of your children and they haven't, talked to you in a while, and, and they wanted to speak to you, but lo and behold, you had, you, you had something to tell them. 
And what sometimes I've heard people do is just lay the lay all the dirty wash out first. You know what I'm saying? They just cut to the bone and say, hey, before you tell me anything, let me tell you something. Let me give you my mind. What's that tell us about people? Sort of tells me that they they've they've got too many got too many bones to pick there. They, they need to get some things in order. And you say, why you say that? Well, look at the master of all people. He knows, he knows everything. So when he writes these letters or has them written, I like how he approaches this. He gives the good news first, does he not? The commendation first. But now notice that he is not unfaithful to give the condemnation. He does uh, tell us the truth of the matter. And on uh, page 40, Revelation 2, verse 20, if you're watching now by uh, YouTube, uh, he says in uh, 2 and 20, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Look, I will throw her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great affliction unless they repent of her works. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who examines minds and hearts. And I will give to each of you according to your works. Now, uh, let's, let's remember works are important, are they not? The people who say works are unimportant in kingdom work uh, are usually going to be the ones that don't have any works produced, okay? And I'm not making light of that. I'm just saying uh, even the Lord tells us that the trees can be known by the fruit that they bear, so be bearing those Christ-like things. Now, he, he uses the word here uh, in the HCSB Bible. He said, you tolerate. Now, I, I looked that word up as well because I wanted to make sure we were all on the same page with that. Uh, tolerance uh, is described interest in and concern for ideas opinions, practices, and he says, etc. For into one's own a liberal and uh, a literal and undogmatic viewpoint. I can't even read my own writing there hardly. That's a week old, I, I reckon. But the word tolerate or tolerance. Have you ever been tolerant? You ever tolerate something or someone? I do. I think there's room for that. But also here that uh, he gives us, uh, he's condemning the church there at Thyatira because that they have allowed uh, the doctrine there of Jezebel uh, to invade their body and uh, in the name of getting along, they have compromised there those realities and beliefs. Notice, the writer said here was a church that was doing well in its love, its faithfulness, its service and endurance. You know, you know the church, I'm sure, when they read that sentence, Amen, we got that going right. Well, they are. 
but they also were increasing in these things, and Jesus calls them out on it. In other words, he's, he's not doing that in a mean-spirited way. He is just reminding them of those hidden things, if we would like to call them that. Look, the key player, the uh, writer said, behind the sins uh, was a woman Jesus identified as Jezebel. Jezebel was likely not her name, but a reflection of her character. Most all of us know of the Old Testament Jezebel. Uh, matter of fact, uh, anybody uh, want to get in some serious trouble with your wife, you call her a Jezebel. Now, you'll, uh, after you can see in a week or two, you'll know that wasn't the right thing to say. Matter of fact, that is a very derogatory thought there, is it not? Not, uh, but most likely this lady, as he said, is not, uh, is not what uh, we're seeing there. It's a spiritual emphasis there. However, uh, Jezebel was behaving like most wicked, or these, the woman was behaving just like wicked Queen Jezebel in the Old Testament, who promoted the worship of Baal along with many other issues that she had. Notice, you tolerate the one who calls herself a prophetess. You tolerate uh, also how that uh, there is a, an acceptance of uh, immorality. Uh, then there's the eating of the food offered to idols. Uh, and that's, that's sort of, the, that's sort of the, the meaning of what he's calling them out for, is it not? Because immediately in verse 21, he's going to, Remind them of his call to repentance. Aren't we glad that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance? Now let's never forget the Lord knows everything about us. Matter of fact, he knows what we've forgotten. But it's amazing to me, he can forget what we continue to know. Because those things that have been confessed, they're under the blood, they're forgiven, you know, you and, I, you and I need to get beyond that. Why? Because we have been made the righteousness of Christ. And because of that, we need to be ever so grateful. Now, the writer again continues on this theme there, and he talks about uh, the woman. He said, behaving just like wicked Queen Jezebel, promoting these things among the people. You know, we've always heard that, it, uh, th that one apple can spoil the barrel, can it not, of if, if it's left un undone. You know, so, so we had to be very careful because when these, uh, when, when these uh, doctrinal truths or when these uh, times there of tolerance Come, if we're not careful, some people will embrace that as us uh, being, being tolerant of that to the point that it'll not just creep in, it'll, it'll take over. So we have to be very careful with that. Christ, though, the writer reminds us, gave space of repentance. Again, remind ourselves, what is repentance? Uh, repentance is far more than just agreeing with uh, the Lord, yeah, you know, we're guilty of that, you know, but we couldn't help it. We're guilty of that, but, you know, but repentance is actually 
a, a remembrance of the wrong, a confession of that, which means an agreement that we are wrong in that, but also the repentance means an about face that we're not going to follow or pursue that trail. We're going to turn around in a direct opposite way and go with Christ, not against Him. And this church were known for being very tolerant there with immorality and the food sacrificed to idols. But He tells them, repent, repent, He says. Now, uh, we are encouraged daily or we're encouraged today to tolerate a lot of things that go against the clear teaching of the Word of God. And, you know, uh, we could develop a list of those things, could we not? How many of you uh, have not been, uh, have not been uh, remembered by saying, I wish uh, that it was the way it used to be? You ever talk about the way it used to be? Can you remember how we really do embellish that moment a little bit because even when we were smaller kids growing up, you know, there were things going on we just didn't recognize. I'm just trying to get you to understand today that there's always been sin in the world. There's always been a need for repentance. There has always been uh, what he says there, immorality. Uh, so, so lest we embellish those yesteryears too much and try to make this generation think that our generation was perfect already, uh, we need to remember that the Lord was merciful to us as well. He said, I gave her time to repent. She doesn't want to repent of her sexual immorality. Look, he said, I'll throw her into a sick bed. And those who commit adultery with her into great affliction, unless they repent, of her works. Now, the writer doesn't give great long detail about all of that. However, he does give us some more thoughts as well. Now, as I look at that, that's some pretty stiff condemnation, is it not? That's going to be some very tough, some very tough uh, things that the Lord is going to allow uh, to come upon those people because of their uh, spiritual indifference. I'm on page 42. He said, Many have tolerated the teachings of the world long enough that those teachings have now deceived many followers of Christ. So, what happens? You know, the foundation gets weakened, weakened and weakened, and as a result of that, because we're not willing to stand for truth, what happens is we'll begin to embrace that truth or that, that untruth as well. He said, It's interesting that the Lord links sexual immorality with idolatry. Whatever, is to you, whatever it is you are living for becomes your God. The, those who choose to engage in sexual immorality are making the choice not to follow God. Book of Jeremiah, think of that uh, right now as I'm uh, focusing here. Jeremiah would uh, be with the Lord, and the Lord would say, Were they not ashamed when they had committed evil? And you know what he would say? No, they were not at all ashamed. So as we embrace those godless things, 
Let's remember that it becomes easier and easier to embrace those same things. But taking a stand for the Lord, however, is a commendable thing, and uh, that's what he's doing here in this letter with the church to Thyatira. He said, uh, be careful of those false gods. Uh, He said, when God's judgment comes against such sins, and it will, he said, it sends a clear message to the other churches. Then all the churches will know that I'm the one who examines minds and hearts, and I will give to each of you according to your works. As I said earlier, now this, this letter is not limited to the people at Thyatira. Neither was the letter to the church at uh, Ephesus limited to them, but man, these, these letters make their circle, and, and as a result of that, those truths are applicable to every church in every area. I'm so glad we have the Word in our hands available to us, are you not? Because if it were not that, it were not available to us, we could have someone who is either teaching or preaching, and they could be dissecting the Word uh, and just giving us what they wanted us to hear. Well, in the case here of these letters, uh, we see that they understood that they needed to be circulated because they applied to all believers as well. Anybody have a thought on this? The Thyatira church, they were commended, were they not? They threw four good things about them. Matter of fact, the Lord probably would have liked to have taken those four things and got the church next door to uh, embrace those things as well. However, there's a couple of things he has against them. And most likely, you know, some of those surrounding believers in other churches might have had a, a, a little uh, possibility that it would be creeping in their lives as well. So now he's just exalting the fact of purity uh, rather than immorality. There's a few other verses. If you're following now on uh, YouTube and you're listening here in the sanctuary as we're reading, and that's verses 24 to 29. He said, I say to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who haven't known the so-called secrets of Satan as they say, I am not putting any other burden on you. Only Only hold... On to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority over the nations, and he will rule them with an iron scepter. He will shatter them like pottery, just as I have received this from my Father. And I will also give him the morning star, lest anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Now we've got some resemblance there of how he would close the letter to the other churches. But yet this is so radically different as well. Uh, Some comparisons we could use there, but yet and still we need to see the realities of what he's saying. On the top of page 43, he said, Cults and mystery religions flourish." In the first century, a common feature was the promise that after a person that after a person was initiated, 
They would gain deep secrets or special wisdom. The irony was that Jezebel claimed to be God's prophetess and claimed to bring a word from God, but all she supplied was knowledge and lies from hell. These deep secrets for those special... For those special enough to receive them were nothing more than so-called secrets. Any time uh, when, again, like the Lord is giving us there and the writers bring our attention, any time you run up on those folks that claim, that, that claim they've got a, a special message or they've got a little bit more uh, of something uh, than, than you, you need to be very careful with those. Why? Because we still believe that God's Word is open to all. And as He brings to our attention there, these so-called secrets of Satan, uh, the devil would infiltrate us by those lies as well. In the middle of the page, thankfully not everyone in Thyatira had been deceived by the teachings of Jezebel or captivated by her evil secrets. These truthful or these faithful believers, Jesus gave them only one charge: hold on to what you have until I come. Now you can say that in a lot of different ways, can't you? Hold on, finish well. You know you've been watching possibly a few of the uh, U.S. Olympic trials going on. You know, twelve o'clock. I mean, uh, eight o'clock on Channel Twelve. And, you know, you've, you've followed these men and women, you know, and they're, they're giving it all to cross the line uh, in, front of, in front of their teammates, so to speak. However, you know, those first three finishers are going to go to the Olympics, and you can almost notice sometime that before they get to the finish line, they let up a little bit. Why? They know they've already secured that spot. There's not anyone who, is, uh, who has uh, challenged them at that particular qualifier. Well, finish well. We all have that to do, if, if you would remember. Uh, and he's telling these who have been true and are true to hold on to that. On the 43, uh, read those last paragraphs, if you will because he encourages us to keep our face in the Lord's Word. Uh, remember, Jesus told the Father, asked the Father, to sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. So uh, reading, uh, studying, applying the Word of God to our lives is uh, where, we, where we finish well. Anybody have another thought on any of this? A truth that maybe God showed you through it? Okay, well, next week now we'll study another of the letters. It's the letter there to the church at Sardis. And uh, again, you know, there's some condemnation there. But let's don't, let's don't focus and uh, say, hey, got you, because that condemnation uh, likewise can apply to ourselves as well. Okay, thank you. See you this afternoon, peanuts and ice cream, uh, not ice cream, watermelon.